0: Igniting, inspiring, and evoking the fire within.
1: There's certain skill sets that we already have that are part of our energetic makeup at a soul level that are influential in all of our lifetimes. And when we reconnect with the abilities that have been bestowed upon us since the beginning, that allows us to leverage those talents to make our lives easier.
0: You're listening to the What's Your Inspiration Podcast with Fox Byer.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the What's Your Inspiration Podcast. Today, a long-time friend on. He is an 11-year pro baseball veteran in his fourth season with the Texas Rangers system and in his third year entering it as a manager in that system. He is a loving husband a handyman, a man of many travels, and a man of faith, he is Mr. Matt Hagan. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing well, Fox. Glad to be here. And I'm glad to be here, too, in your wonderful home with you and your lovely wife, Keeley, here in Austin, Texas. Let's fire it up and get right into it. Your upbringing, two places that, that I know on my, my friendship with you. Uh, Santa Cruz, California, Greeley, and Eaton, Colorado, how did that upbringing help you and prepare you to deal with your
2: players and manage them on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I think I uh, lived in California when I was 13, and uh, we moved to Colorado in 1993. Um, you know, living in California was uh, was great. We were you know probably 20 minutes from the from the ocean. We lived in the foothills there. Um, in the Santa Cruz uh, mountains, and just a beautiful place, uh, uh, redwood trees. Um, in fact, where we lived, our uh, our home backed up to a uh, logging and forest uh, area. And so there was times where I'd get home from school and I could hop on my mountain bike and go off and disappear for like two hours, or grab my BB gun and, and trek through the woods like I was, uh, I don't know, some sort of... Uh, brave explorer. So as a kid, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, moving to Colorado at third, going into my eighth grade year, um, going from private school to a public school, um, to a, a one stoplight, uh, farm town on the plains of Colorado was quite the transition. And, you know, you're the new kid. You go from a, a place of being like, um, I would say pretty, pretty popular in school and doing good with the grades and you're on all the sports teams and your parents are well connected in the community. People know them. You get uh, some pretty fair treatment because of people already knowing your parents and the relationship you have with them. To nobody knows your parents, nobody knows your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your brother, sister. Nobody knows these people. So you're starting from scratch. So it's like a, it's a chance to, completely start over building your reputation um, and and building up uh, who people will will get to know you to be. And it's a very different clash of, of environments and cultures and uh, it became a proving ground for me where I had to prove myself in everything. I was not given the benefit of the doubt when I told a teacher at school the truth because I got the benefit out before because I had earned that reputation and, and, and because of my family. Um, so that was like a, a starting over. And then in sports, sports was a complete, um, completely brand-new jumping-off point where I had been the starting point guard on the basketball team and I had been the starting second baseman on the baseball team and I had been the go-to receiver on the you know, flag football team. Now you show up there and it's like, no, no, we already have a second baseman. We already have a point guard. We already have uh, wide receivers. You know, you're going to have to prove yourself in all these facets. Um, So that was uh, was a tough time of transition. And um, coming in being the new guy and having to prove yourself at that level and everything that you did, even though it only, you know, eighth, ninth grade, um, was really... Very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It, it, it helped transform uh, me into partly who I am today. And I would say that because uh, now when I look at kids coming into a, a new situation uh, where they're everything's new to them, we just drafted them, we just signed them from another team, I want to make those guys feel welcomed. Because there was a few people that made me feel welcomed during this time of my life. Um, and there was other people who didn't make me feel welcome, and I could tell you stories about some bullying that I went through, and uh, some some treatment that really left a, a lasting impact on me, to where I was like, man, I just don't want to ever treat people that way. Um, I I feel like when these kids come in now, regardless of how we get a hold of them through the draft or you know free agent signings, uh, I want them to feel welcome right away. I feel like when these young men have a chance to be themselves, they have a chance for for the best of, of who they are to really shine through. And there's going to be different pressures and stresses that come with being a professional baseball player or a college baseball player or pick your sport or pick your activity or whatever. Um, so in my position, if I can alleviate some of that pressure and stress, I really want to do that for them. I want them to be as comfortable as they can right away. I don't want them to be afraid to make mistakes. I don't want them to um, feel any added pressure, so I think part of my uh, going through that time in my life at 13, 14 years old um, was was very helpful, and and also prepared me from when I went when I went away to college. So that wasn't my first take when I went away to college of going through everything being new. I had just done it four years earlier. Yeah, what it may have been like, surely. exactly. Whereas some other people, when you first time you go to college away from home. That's your first time going through that 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 completely new surrounding, new surroundings type situation. And I
1: mean, I know you as someone that's constantly moving around. I mean, of course, in your professional baseball co- career, you, you've you've done that. But um, you really pushed yourself. Um, and obviously, your 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 parents have also. I mean, they're they spent half the year um, in, in Africa uh, helping people there. I mean, you come up with a stealing every time I talk to you and see you. You've got another story to tell me of a place that you went uh, um, with your family. One was, uh, I guess, to the UK back in back in '06. And I've known you since 2008. I, I, I did not know that. And when you go to places, you're not the kind of guy that would just just pulls up on the beach and chills out and says, drink please. Yeah, you don't do that. You'll put a, a drink in your backpack and, and hike five, ten miles through, you know, terrain that most people would, would, would not go through. So it's yeah, you know, you're just just somebody that constantly challenges yourself. We had this talk last night about how how important it is to continue to and through death to challenge yourself. And that's kind of what gives both of us fulfillment in life and i think that's one of the reasons why we're we're such good friends to this day
2: just constantly challenging ourselves with, with new ventures absolutely yeah i think um you know they're saying out there that says adventure is necessary exploration is necessary and i think that um obviously we're all guilty of this some more than others where we get stuck in a rut somewhere in life and to be able to push your boundaries and go out and, and make yourself grow you know growth happens um To muscles when you stretch them and tear them so we gotta you gotta stretch your your boundaries a little bit you gotta tear yourself down and then on the other side of that pain is is growth and um, not that going for a hike through the woods is necessarily a painful thing but um, yeah going going to new places and trying new things there's just so many things out here out there in this world that uh, I would like to get a feel for and experience and um, you know I I have no problem going and sitting on the beach for a couple days on vacation but after a couple days I'm like all right What's around the corner of this beach? You know, what's on the other side of this you know, island where we're at, or uh, what's on the other side of this coast? You know, and um, I think I've been that way since I was a little kid. Maybe it goes back to the days of wandering through the forest when I was a little kid, thinking I was, uh, you know, Daniel Boone or Crocodile Dundee, <laughs> or uh, you know, insert your eighties uh, nineties reference. Who's the Who's the alligator guy uh, that, that unfortunately passed away? Steve. Steve Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. Bell, huh? yeah, yeah. Were you a fan of his? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, absolutely. I, I wouldn't uh, follow him into many of his... Uh, lectures, no, we're not, we're not
1: saying that. We, we enjoyed his, his programming on the television yeah. back in the mid and late 90s. Yeah, I, yeah. I certainly did absolutely. for his, his intestinal fortitude um, and just the way he, he delivered, his delivery overall. Yeah. Um, it was, he, he encapsulated
2: humor, uh, grit, and wisdom all together. Steve Irwin. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate uh, and blessed, obviously, my... I've been married for almost two years, two years next month, actually. And um, my wife shares a similar spirit of adventure. We uh, we, were, we were very fortunate to go on our honeymoon to New Zealand. And it was like, all right, what are we what are we, we going to do there? Yeah, listen to this, people. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and so we started looking into what New Zealand has to offer. And we kind of had an idea going in. So we basically spent, we were there 10 days, 10, 11 days. And we were in like a new city every day. And it was, we jumped out of airplanes, skydiving. We went uh, scuba diving, Great Barrier Reef, Australia, uh, uh, jet boating, uh, whitewater rafting. Uh, we bungee jumped, uh, the highest bungee jump in all of New Zealand.
1: Let and, me ask you this. You, you jump out of a plane. Wouldn't you think that would be enough? And then you go bungee jumping a few days later. Don't you get the same sensation?
2: Uh, <laughs> very different. The bungee jumping was far more terrifying because when you go skydiving for the first time or the first however many times – they, they strap you to somebody. You with someone. someone. Their slogan is, strap yourself to a beautiful stranger. Right. <laughs> so the, this guy kind of pushes you out of it. He's like, all right, just look up. And three, two, just pushes you out of the airplane. And you're like, all right, we're going. With the bungee, you have to walk to the edge. You can see the ground a lot more clearly, which makes it a lot more real and, and more terrifying. And then you have to count down three, two, one, and jump off the ledge yourself.
1: Yeah, there's no one. There's no one with you. I guess there's comfort in knowing there's somebody with you True. that that knows maybe a little bit more than you do at the time. I'm going to say no for me on both. But but yeah, I I, I didn't realize that you did both bungee jumping and skydiving um, on your honeymoon. Those are things that I, I would do if I had a, a gun to my head. And you're doing it um, with your with your wife, who is I mean, and you're free spirited like that. But seeing the video of her, she's like. Hmm, I do this for breakfast.
2: Yeah, um, it was a, it was a test to the uh, to the manhood with to see the ease with which she um, did all of these things. And I was like, well, I, I can't chicken out now. You know, I'm, I've taken the plunge of marriage here a week ago, and now I'm taking the plunge off of the side of this
1: crane. Literally going into a plunge. Absolutely. Did did she was she vehement about going first, or did, did it matter who went first in terms of bungee jumping? You know, it's funny. The bungee
2: jumping, um, you go out there with a group of about. 15 people on this platform that looks over this ravine, and you're hanging by cables in the middle of it. And you go by weight, because as the um, jumpers get lighter and lighter, they switch the cables out, uh, the bungees out, to lighter and lighter bungees. Well, I was the heaviest person in the group, and my wife was the lightest person in the group. So I went first, you know, without seeing anybody else jump. I was like, okay, it's a little scary. And then she had to wait till everybody else went. Before her turn. So I think it was better for me to like jump and get it over with uh, as opposed to her having to sit there and watch, you know, 15 other people go and just wait and wait and let that um, anticipation, you know, build. Tom Petty, the waiting is the hardest part.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. That's true. Hey, let's switch gears for a second because you said something before about about bullying. Now, I'm somebody because I look different. Um, that was certainly part of my high school experience. What advice do you have for for kids that maybe are experiencing that, experiencing bullying as far as how to handle it and what to do?
2: Uh, well, I don't think there's just one right answer for that. I think there's several things you can do. Um, it's important to, to have a social network, a social group of friends. Um, at, at times, I was going through that. You know, when I first got to town, it was like, all right, good, I got one friend, fantastic. And then a week later, you know, at school, yeah, now you got a couple friends. Um, but you can always have that. Hopefully, find that group of four or five friends that you know you can bounce things off, and, and and they trust you, and you trust them. I think it gets scary when kids isolate themselves because of bullying. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Uh, I don't want to be around anybody. I just want to be isolated. I can't wait for the day to end so I can go home from school because school you know is a scary place and not come outside until the next day when I have to go to school. There you go, yeah, right, right. Um, But to keep those keep those social skills up and if it gets really bad, you know nobody wants to be the tattletale. but if it gets really bad it, it's not worth just going through it. You can say something to somebody. Um, and for me, my outlet for that in some ways, uh, was sports because it's like uh, this guy's gonna pick on me, whatever. Well, I can beat him on the athletic field. Now, I didn't always work out, I took my lumps too, and sometimes it made things worse because when you come into a, a new situation and you're taking away playing time from somebody that's been there for multiple years, mm. uh, you're gonna hear it from him and their friends, especially if they're older. And being good enough at a couple sports to where I was able to play up in, uh, in the age bracket. Um, you become the youngest guy on the team. It uh, kind of makes you an easy target at times because you have a little bit of athleticism. You're, you're playing with some older guys. But in terms of, uh, of, the, of the best advice to give, um, I think part of it is just knowing that there's going to be a moment of adversity during the day, and there's going to have to be a moment of perseverance during the day. So the, the adversity is coming today. I don't, I don't know what form or shape it's going to take, but I've made the conscious decision before the day starts to persevere in spite of whatever that adversity may happen to be. Use whatever tools I have to sort of punch that in the mouth and and carry on. Right, right. Okay,
1: okay. Sage advice from Mr. Matt Hagen on episode 38 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Matt, I think it's time that we go into a game called What, Which, and Where. All right. So knowing you, I'll give you a quote from a book. Uh, somebody influential in your life, and you tell me from where it came. Are you ready without looking at my notes, sir? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah for those of you that, uh, well, all of you who can't see Foxy's uh, notebook here, we were talking before we came on about, um, it looks very eerily similar to the diary of Dr. Jones in the third Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he's got notes for uh, in there of how to find the uh, the Holy Grail. If you can tell me where that is i'd love i 'd love to know it 's actually been a, it's,
1: uh, it was a gift from my brother Billy and my sister in law Stacy a couple of birthdays ago and I filled up about half yeah I love of it, a, of it. so um, pretty nice and i use it, I use it about half the time and I have a couple other notebooks so it 's something that will live in uh, not infamy but whatever the word is it 's living so here we go first first quote goes like this. An uphill battle is not the worst thing for somebody. Who?
2: Who said that? Yes. Uh, I do not know. If you look in the mirror, you'd see him. Oh, my goodness. I said that? When did I
1: say that? Yes. So you told me this. This is probably 2010 or 11. We're in the the clubhouse. So from 2008 to 2012, we were together with the Somerset Patriots, And 2010, before a game, after a game, I think I was talking to you about my volleyball team at the time with with, with players and and the girls, and and that was your comment. But I think it just depicts your life so much, especially up um, to your college years where you're you're constantly having to decline um, every single day through odds presented to you by your family moving or... um, trying to, to, to grow a friend group or trying to make a sports team. And that's, the, that's that's stuck with me. It goes back to, again, challenging yourself, constantly challenging yourself to get that fulfillment out of life. So that was you.
2: Uh, did you get it from anybody? Uh, it? No, no, I thought it just probably applicable to where you were at at that time of your life, coaching those uh, those girls in volleyball. Did it just come to you? Um. Yeah, luckily I don't speak out a lot of things that come to me because it probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But, <laughs> yeah, that one's actually not bad. I'll have to remember that I said that. Yeah, well, I'll put
1: it in your journal as well. I pass it on through uh, some kind of osmosis. All right, uh, we'll, go, we'll go to the next one, and it goes like this. Triple beam, lyrical dream, I be that. <laughs> That's uh, Mace and Puff Daddy. It, it, maybe I have I have big pun. On okay. that. I, I think, actually I think they're on the same. I think it's all in the same all, uh, video. All in the same. All in the same video. Yeah, so you got it right. And I I don't know if I actually have that right. So to, to all of you out there, I'm I'm not sure. But I, he's we're big song lyric people. We like to insert our own lyrics into songs that we know. So. Um, I'll, I'll double check that and put it in the show notes if it's correct or not on on my behalf.
2: No, I could have I could have actually kept going with the lyrics right there. Okay,
1: that's kind of what I want you to do. So I'll start it off. <laughs> Triple P,
2: lyrical dream, I be that. Can't you see that? And then I kind of lose it. Can't you see that? Mm-hmm. Gats in holsters, girls on shoulders. Playboy, I told you something, something. <laughs> I can remember watching the uh, music video back in the day, circa 1997. Yeah. yeah, somewhere, somewhere around, around there. there. Yeah, right before high school graduation. Yeah. Now, what's the. Is is Mo Money Mo Problems. It's not that video, right? Uh, I actually submitted Mo Money Mo Problems for our class song in graduation. I can't believe it didn't get shot it did, down. It did, it did. Got yeah. shot down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a classic
1: uh, late 90s. As we say, uh, snash.
2: Yeah, we ended up going with um, Living on the Edge, Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. I mean, aren't we all? Hopefully. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? of, Of something, anyway. Okay,
1: I have not written this down, so you cannot see it. It goes like this Seek to be accepted, not to be hip. Hmm. This is a who? This is a who. It is not a, a, a song lyric, but it, it has to do with a, a musical personality from the same time that we were just talking
2: about. Oh, well, uh, Alanis Morissette. Uh, that's, no, that's that's no idea. Go ahead. Definitely, and... Good. And it's Mr. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain.
1: Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Cobain, someone who 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 lived on his own terms. Yeah, um, and uh, just something that really really stuck with me, and I, I thought, like thought maybe you. You jam on that, so okay. What well, we did jam to
2: some some Kurt Cobain, uh, Nirvana there in the weight room back in the day. Oh man, I mean, I still do. Yeah,
1: I still do. You, me, and Jet Brody, and Jeff Bro- uh, and Mr. Brett. You know, he, I mean, there's there's nobody that can that can talk about cherry flavored antacids and make you you headbang to it, but Kurt Cobain. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Penny Royal tea and cherry flavored antacids, and we're rocking out to it. But that guy had a gift. He got a gift, and he's probably using it up in heaven. Who knows? Who knows? Man, that's all I have for what, which, and where. Are, are you okay?
2: Yeah, I'm okay. No, I, I feel like I, I didn't score as well as I would have liked to, but uh, maybe I can get a retake on the test at the end of the semester.
1: At the end of the semester, semester here. What semesters go? Yeah, we can go in six months. I'll we'll have you back on and see if we can we can we can rectify that. But fair I, enough. But uh, very well done. Very well done. Kudos to you. Do you know it's actually kudos, and not kudos?
2: No. No, yeah. I just remember kudos because they were a uh, way of disguising a candy bar as a granola bar yes. back in the day. Do you ever have those kudos bars? Oh, yeah. The little, yeah. The, 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 so it's a granola bar dipped in chocolate, and yep. they said it's a granola bar, so your mom would buy them because it's a granola bar. It's kind of healthy, but it's really just a candy bar. Yeah, it's got that chocolate. I used to eat like four kudos at a time four, after yeah.
1: school. Yeah. One on both sides of your mouth, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Throw, throw them in, throw them in uh, with, a, with a little glass of water. Kudos, K-U-D-A-S, praise be to thee. Kudos is just—it's just been overused over the years. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, fill in the blank. Nip it in the bud. Spell it. Oh, B u d. B u d, like a bud of a flower. Yeah. You, right. Usually people would say nip it in the butt, like your rear end, your pompeas, as we yeah. say in Espanol. Um, but it's not. It's Nip it in the bud. Let's. 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 Well, do, at least I got that one right. Let's do. Let's do, let's do another one. Let's. I don't know how I actually have to do this. Let's not do it. So let's blanket. Let's not do it. So let's blanket. So let's, what do you put in the blank? Let's not do it.
2: So let's let's bang it.
1: B A N G, right? Yeah. I was told by our team psychologist in college it's bag it. B A G. Yeah, I think bag it was probably around first. Yeah. So uh, colloquialisms that were commonly are commonly I don't, I don't want to say misused, but they've turned or morphed into something else. Fair enough. Final, final question or scenario, as we say, scenario,
2: scenario, scenario for you. Scenario is that a scary scenario.
1: Scary. This this could possibly be a scary scenario, um, depending on who you are in the situation. Here we go. We know all heroes do not wear a cape. However, if you had an opportunity to take a one-hour car ride in your wonderful van and um, not, not including your wife, okay. I mean, she, let's say the Keely it's in. She's in the van, okay, with you, and okay. you, you're going to invite one of these three people in the van. Oh, only goodness. one. All right. Who would it be, okay? And tell me why you would choose this person. Is it your former minor league manager Rick Renteria? Is it Axel Rose, or would it be Will Farrell? Oh, good gracious! How long is how long
2: is the ride? One one hour. One hour. Yeah,
1: okay. One hour.
2: Um. I'd be probably be out of questions for Axel Rose in uh, about 10, 15 minutes. Hey, but you can have him belt out any song you want. Well, that's true. That's true. So if we're on a road trip, I'll pass the time pretty good. Okay. Um. Yeah, Will Farrell, great work. Love his stuff. But uh, you obviously go back to the Rick Renteria Italian. in um, Just explain who who he is and, and was for you. Too, yeah. Yeah. No, specific. Rick is uh, is currently the manager of the Chicago White Sox, and he was a. Uh, manager of mine, uh, for the Lake Elsinore Storm back in 2007, I played one season for him. Um, and, uh, playing for him was generous because I, I, uh, kind of like a utility guy that didn't really hit really good that year. But I bring that up because despite the fact that I wasn't hitting really good that year, uh, Rick had the ability to make you think that you were everybody was a integral part of, part of the team and the team success. So whether you were, um... You know, batting third every day, making the All Star team, or if you were that guy that caught the back end of a doubleheader on Sunday only, um, or a relief pitcher that uh, led the team with least innings pitched. Everybody was an inter- integral uh, uh, cog in the machine. And now it's coming off a time there where I just been released by the Mariners, and. Um, Was really, really starting to doubt my abilities as a baseball player. Confidence Mm. was an all-time low. Anxiety at an all-time high. Uh, Very real things that nobody really wanted to talk about 15 years ago in the pro game. Uh, Luckily, we've come a long ways now where we recognize that anxiety is a real thing. Um, Lack of confidence is a real thing. And I think Rick was perfectly placed in my life at that time. And I don't even know that he has any idea he had that profound of an effect on me. But he was one of those kind of guys that, I, you know, if I ever coach, if I ever manage, I'd like to emulate somebody like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from feeling like if I went over for my first two, you know, the season before, over the first two, man, I better get a hit because I'm coming out of the game. to Whereas you could go over for four with three airs that day. And Rick had an unbelievable way of just coming over, sitting down next to you for three seconds, putting his hand on your shoulder and going, hey, no big deal, dude. You're back in there tomorrow. You're my guy. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, you know, 10 years old, 16 years old, I was 26 years old, or if you're 36 years old, it, it still feels good, um, to get a little confidence pick me up from somebody who is in a, a, authoritative position over you when things aren't going your way. And again, that goes back to, you know, my philosophy on, on the pressures and the struggles because we all feel them in the industry of baseball. They're all real, um. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm thankful that Rick was was there for that time in my life when I was hitting a buck 90. And I didn't know which end of the bat to hold anymore because I was completely lost to the plate. I could not have gone back and hit high school pitching at that time. I was lost. Uh, But that started me down. And I actually hit over 300 the last month that I played for him because he kind of took the handcuffs off. And he was like, hey, just go up there and hit, man. Forget about, like, trying to work the count too much. Forget about if you swing and miss at a bad pitch and look like an idiot. Um, just go up there and just just have fun and hit, and and I finished up having a really strong last month there, and then really had a lot of success at the dish for the next you know five six years after that. And um, I witnessed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, and I, I think without that season planned for him, um, baseball would have potentially ended on. Uh, some bad terms for me and I really wanted the game and my career as a player to end on my terms knowing that I was able to overcome and achieve as opposed to hey the game beat me down and got the best of me because you know the odds of, of quote unquote making it you know at least to the big leagues uh, as, a, as a final destination are, are so slow or are so small rather and that can't necessarily be viewed as a uh, as a failure it just puts you in a different a different avenue and I I wanted to once again um, feel like I had overcome that adversity and persevered through it to, to some degree and to be able to walk away from the game as a player on, on my own terms. Um and Rick's just one of those guys that you look back and there's a handful, two or three, four people and I only played for him for five months, you know, six months including spring training. But uh, yeah, very impactful. And that's that's why he's where he where he's at today. And I wish him a ton of success.
1: Yeah, it had nothing to do with any kind of kind of fundamentals. He made you feel like the person that you are, a very you know, wanted person, like you were somebody, which you are. And as a school teacher, for me, um, you know, my teachers growing up had the same impact on me that, that Rick Renteria had on you. They made me feel like I was somebody. I don't remember a whole lot about the the, the, the content that we we studied, uh, but they, like you said. Three seconds, knocked on the door and gave me a thumbs up. Who, Mr. Ranger? Yeah, my, my sophomore year. So that's pretty cool. Um, and to know that somebody in a high profile position could have the, the same impact as um, a teacher in a community, but that's what this podcast is all about. Awesome, Matt. Thank you very much. One more question, and that is, who would you like to hear on an upcoming podcast? Oh man. Good
2: question. Um, you know, I think anybody back from uh, my time in Somerset that I played with, trying mm-hmm. to see where they're at and what they're doing in their life now and and hear about their, their life experiences and what direction it's taken them uh, would be um, very not only entertaining for me, but uh, rewarding to hear what those guys are doing now. I think that's,
1: that needs to be... A couple of names are popping in my head right now just to, to bring those guys back because that was a special time in both of our lives. So let's do it. Done. Game, set, match. Matt, thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks, box. That will wrap up episode 38 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Matt and I will talk at you all later. Take good care.
2: You have been listening
0: to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Buyer. Because impact on each other is the greatest currency you could ever have. me the boot, I'm beat up and overused, I know you're tattooed too, but I keep getting stronger from being with you, you're my wheels in the mud, the belt that keeps me up, my shade in the sun, my anchor when I want to run baby together we just can't lose i'm falling more in love with you cause storms make trees take deeper my jig when i can't bring it my net when i can't trap it my hook when i can't hook it my more when i've had enough when i crack you make me tough my bring it on when i feel done my three two only one Together we just can't lose got you, and I've got it all, baby, together we just can't lose, I'm falling more in love with you, cause storms make trees. The storms make trees take deeper.